0: So I turned 60 last week Uh, I'm I I have mixed emotions I've mixed emotions about that I think about okay you're entering the third trimester of your life you know you got to make it count I feel like the pressure is on right God willing if I live until 90 uh, my third my third trimester. But there's also some kind of fun things that come along with turning 60, and one of them is, you know how older people talk about their aches and pains and and how things are moving south and things are are moving from here to here, right, which is my case. Um, I like that. I I think it kind of gives you an excuse to get away with things in life, you know, and, and to just sort of relax a little bit so you can expect a lot more of those kinds of sermon illustrations from me. You know, body parts and how things are not working quite right. Just expect that. It's just a heads up. I'm telling you that's probably going to happen. New sermon illustrations. The other cool thing is that now I I have an excuse for anything I do. Hey, hey, look, I'm 60. Come on, you know, give me a break, right? Speeding officer, I'm 60. Come on, give me a break my wife planned a uh, getaway for last weekend for my 60th birthday. She flew me away to Palm Desert to spend some time at Garrett and Andy's place. They live there in the winter, and so uh, my small group decided to join us. And so we had a small group getaway. Most of them made it. We've been in this small group for about, what, 10 years or so, a long time. And so we are known. They know us. We know them. And so we spent some time together uh, floating in the pool, eating great food. Captain Rob Asked me what I wanted to eat, and I said bacon and steak. And then he threw in some seafood button besides. So it was just a really great weekend of, of good food and good fellowship. Uh, played some pickleball. That was fun. Um, went on a hike, but just spent a lot of time hanging out with our friends. And it was really, really good. Went to church at Southwest and got to hear Pastor Ricky preach, so that was a good time. And I loved it. It was great. But I tell you what, I love our church. I love our church. There's no place like home, absolutely. So I love you, and it was good to come back to town, uh, even though it was not 90 degrees anymore. So that's, that's the thing, right? But here's the best thing about the whole weekend. The very best thing for me about this whole weekend that my wife helped plan was my friends asked her, uh, what would Kurt like? What can we buy him? What can we get him? What can we do for him? And here's what she told them. She said, he would love just to hear what you think about him. He would love to hear you say, because I'm a words of affirmation guy, right? And so here's what happened. After dinner on Sunday night, my birthday, we were gathered around the table. I didn't know this was coming. And I said, okay, we're done. You know, let's relax, have a good time. And they said, oh, no, we're not done. And one by one, they went around the table and they shared what they love and appreciate about me. I was thankful they didn't share what they don't love and appreciate. That's for another day, I suppose. But all of them shared something that they like about me, that they appreciate about me. And then they played a video that Toby had made of some of you, uh, who he called and said, hey, you want to share on a video for Kurt? And they played this video. Our friends from New Zealand were on it as well and played this video. And I'll tell you what, uh, I was kind of a puddle, you know. To hear people just speak good things about you, people that know me, really know me, people that have been around me for a long time, Uh, people that know that I'm a sinner, saved by grace, people that know I still struggle with this or that. And I'll tell you what, those 10 minutes of loving affirmation was better than any gift anyone could have bought me, except maybe Garrett's house in Palm Desert. That would have been maybe better. But I felt so loved, and I felt so appreciated. And thank you, honey, for making that happen for me. It was a really, really good time. And that's the power of love. And that's what we're talking about over the next ten weeks. We're talking about the power of love, particularly, and the point of John's book, of 1 John, is the power of fellowship. So we're going to be diving into this. It's going to be a deep, deep uh, series in that we're going to be looking at literally every verse of 1 John as we unpack John's letter to his friends in a church much like ours back 2,000 years ago. And just like my small group experience Uh, John's letter is his best attempt to share what he experienced, you know, with the church uh, as he spent time with Jesus, as he spent time with the other 11 apostles. So, let's open up our Bibles today as John invites us into fellowship with Jesus, as John invites us to go deeper in fellowship with one another. Open your Bible to 1 John 1, verse 1. This is the beginning day of this series. And Holy Spirit, would you just make your word alive to us, Would you speak to our hearts? Would you cause cause us to grow deeper and deeper with you and to become the best men, women, boys and girls that we can possibly be in Jesus' name? All right, you ready? Here we go. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. This is John. John was one of the disciples of Jesus, and he was the one who said about himself, I'm the one the Lord loves the most, right? Jesus loves you all, but he really loves me. So John had this, what he would call, a special connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. And John is saying, look, for three years... We hung around Jesus. We knew Him closely and intimately. We touched Him. He said things to us that nobody else got to hear that changed our lives forever. We loved Him, and He loved us powerfully. And in these first two verses of 1 John, John shares three main things. That we must know and we must believe about Jesus in order for us to enter into this fellowship. He starts out with the three main things you've got to believe about Jesus. There's a lot of things you don't have to agree on, but these three we have to agree on. And here they are. You'll find these in the first two verses we just read. And the first one is that Jesus is eternal God. Jesus is eternal God. John says, that which was with the Father and was from the beginning of time. He's talking about Jesus, who's also called the Word. And that's how John refers to him in this and in his Gospel. Jesus' life didn't begin at Christmas. I don't know if you knew that about him or not. A lot of us think, well, Jesus was born, that's when his life began. No, no. Jesus is eternal. And John writes in his other well-known book, the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Why is it important that we believe this about Jesus? Because it's Jesus' eternal nature that makes him all-powerful Savior. He's got to be eternal. He's got to be all-powerful for his death and resurrection to count for us. That's why it mattered. The second main thing John wants us to know about Jesus is that the eternal God is made known to us through Jesus Christ. That's what manifest means. Manifest means really to be known or to be made obvious to us. Uh, So we know God by knowing Jesus. If you get to know Jesus through his word, you will get to know the eternal God, right? And so it's important that we get to know Jesus. If you get to know him, you will get to know God's character, what he values, what he thinks about, his nature. In fact, Jesus said it like this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right. And so knowing Jesus is knowing God. Very important. Very important. We've got to believe this about Jesus, that when you know him, you know God. And here's the third main thing that John brings to light, and that is that eternal life, this life that he talks about, that is in Christ Jesus, made it, he made it available to us. This eternal life that he talks about is made available to us through Jesus Christ. Now, like I said, um, there's a lot of things we, we um, might not agree on, doctrinally or whatever, but John says we've got to proclaim this to you, the eternal life. The Jesus that we saw, the Jesus that we heard, the Jesus that touched us is the giver of eternal life, not just for us twelve, but also for everyone who reads, believes, and receives These words, Jesus said it like this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. I am the eternal life. So, these are the three main things. I mean, John comes out with power in his first two verses. These are the three main things that unite us. Again, there's a lot of things we can disagree on, but these three main things, John writes, we must agree on. These are what unify us. These are what we have fellowship around. Okay, Jesus is eternal God. Knowing Jesus makes you know the Father. And receiving Jesus makes this eternal life available to you. It's the power of love. So John goes on to write in verse 3, "...that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us." Again, you know, you know, my party in Palm Desert was a bit exclusive. Not everybody got invited, right? John's saying everybody's invited to this party. Everybody can come to this party. In fact, we want you to come to this party so that you too can have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So I want to give you a spoiler alert this morning. Here it is. The main point of John's letter is fellowship. That's it. That's what he wants us to know. John is inviting us today into the same fellowship that he experienced with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the best experience we can have from knowing Jesus is fellowship. Fellowship with the Father, right? As he uh, reacquaints us with our Heavenly Father, reconnects us to our Heavenly Father. And fellowship with One another. Those two things are so, so important. And this is the outcome of God's power in our lives. It is fellowship. One of my favorite uh, movie series of all time, and in fact every fall and Christmas we tend to watch this, and it's Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Love this series. I know it's a little bit violent, but the redemption story in the series, Tolkien was a follower of Christ. The redemption story is amazing. And one of the movies is called The Fellowship of the Ring. So what does that mean? What does that word fellowship even mean? It means that these nine guys are all committed to the same thing. They are all committed to the destruction of the evil ring and the evil that the ring stands for. And they are all committed to salvation for Middle Earth. It's a beautiful story. It's a wonderful way of bringing the gospel to light through a book series and a movie series. But the word fellowship is from the Greek word Koinonia. You know this word, Koinonia? Sometimes you'll see a church called Koinonia Church, or a lot, of, a lot of times young adults will name their group Koinonia. It's kind of a cool Greek word. And what the word means is it means we possess something in common. We are united around the same idea, the same belief, the same plan, the same process. Koinonia fellowship means being united. Last weekend, for me... I guess we could have called it, you know, the, the fellowship of Pastor Kurt's 60th birthday. That's what it could have been called, right? Because that's really what brought us together. If I hadn't had a 60th birthday, we wouldn't all have been down at Palm Springs together. So we shared life, we shared food, and we fellowshiped around my birthday. That's the meaning of the word. So you see why it's so powerful in the life of the church, fellowship, right? So John is saying to us today, we experienced Jesus, and you can experience Jesus to. And we experience him through relationship with God, but we also experience him through relationship with one another. It's a vertical and horizontal relationship that we share. It's called fellowship. And when you do experience Jesus, you have the same fellowship, John is saying, 2,000 plus years ago. You have the same fellowship that we've experienced with Jesus and with one another. By believing what we are proclaiming, you are invited into this same fellowship with John and with Jesus and with his his buddies. There's nothing else like it in this whole world. Nothing else spans 2,000 plus years and brings you into this exact same fellowship through the power of the Holy Spirit and the shed blood of Jesus Christ as what happens in our story. It's remarkable when you think about it. That we can share the same fellowship that John shared with Jesus and with his friends back over 2,000 years ago. You know, God also gave us another great picture of fellowship, and it's marriage. It's marriage. Marriage is a great picture of fellowship. The oneness with the same person over a lifetime. Being fully known. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And still being accepted. That's the beauty of fellowship. To be known, but to still be accepted. Accepted. You know, I've lived with my wife for 37 years, plus some dating, right? So going on 38, is that right now? So we've lived together, together for 37 plus years, and I know you better than your mom knows you. I think I do. I know you better than your mom knows you. I can tell you things about her that you may not even know. And she said, uh-oh, here he goes, right? Well, let me tell you just a couple The funny little snores. That she, Yes, you do. You do snore. How would you know? You're sleeping. <laughs> the funny little snores that I get to hear. Uh, how she pushes me to the edge of the bed so I get about a twelfth of the bed to sleep on. I'm hanging over and almost on the floor, and then she's like, you know, out there like <laughs> that. Um, how do you look when you first get up in the morning before you've seen a mirror? I mean, only I know right? And it's a beautiful and a wonderful thing. We share fellowship. We know each other deeply and we accept each other. But there's more to it. We share goals in common, right? We share goals. Our goals include enjoying life together. We, like, we do a good job of that. Enjoying life. We just built a house together. Uh, growing old together. It's one of our goals. Supporting our children together. Loving our grandkids together. These are, these are goals. This is fellowship I'm talking about. This is entering in to another's life, knowing and being known. And and this is not only available to marriage, it's available to friendship and, and to the one another's that we have in the church. As we do that, as we fellowship around the deeper things of Jesus Christ and how he's changing us. And John is saying to us today, look, this is how we knew him. We were with him. We touched him. We ate with him. We slept around a campfire with him. Out in the cold, we traveled with him for three years. And we have the same goal as him, and that is that you might know him like we have known him. That is John's goal for writing this letter to the church. We watched him do amazing miracles, we watched him die on a cross, and then we saw him three days later alive and well. How does this happen, John says. And yet, we're eyewitnesses of the Son of God and His power to save, and we want to invite you into that relationship. We proclaim this to you. Let us bring you into this fellowship of hope and mission. Join us by simply believing the message. You don't have to get on a plane and fly anywhere. Simply believe the message and join us in this fellowship. And what is this message? i glad you asked. Here it is, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him, and we proclaim to you, that God is light. Can you say light? Light. God is light. I want you to remember that. And in him is no darkness at all. Now, it's not light like Pepsi light or Coke light or beer light. It's, it's God, is, God is light. God is illuminated. God is... There's not an ounce... A thread of darkness in him at all. And so, what's the outcome of that statement? It's this we experience fellowship when we live in the light together. We experience fellowship when we live in the light together. This is a beautiful thing that the church enjoys. What does that mean? Here's what I think it means living in the light means that we let God expose our sin, expose the dark corners of our life, let Him flood our hearts with His light, and then it means being open and honest with him about what gets exposed. Yes, God, that is not a good thing. And so I agree with you, Lord, about my sin or about my darkness. And then our need for Jesus, that we acknowledge our need for Christ, that's living in the light. And then that we are open and honest with one another. Those trusted few that you have that also trust Jesus, that you could be open and honest with them about your life. It means letting people into your life. It means letting people see some of the dark corners and and what God is illuminating and letting them help you as you walk the road of recovery. To know and be known. To tell people how we feel about them, like what happened with me last weekend. To let them know how much we value them. This is that that exchange of heart that happens when we offer friendship and fellowship and, and are united around what we're going to talk about in a moment. This is one of the things I like about the men's ministry, the fire here at North County Christ the King. On Tuesday nights, we'll have 60 to 80 men in this room, 15 tables. They've been coming and going for years and years and years. And we will sing a couple songs together, unite our hearts around the truth of of Jesus through worship. And then we'll sit around the table. Usually I give a five-minute devotional and talk about the previous message of the weekend, which is like now. And I'll talk about that for a few minutes, give some extra thoughts. They get to hear my heart on the message. And then they'll sit around the table and they'll go through the message and through the Word of God together and they will disciple each other and they will uh, have fellowship together around God's Word. And they will kick back and forth their ideas about what Pastor Kurt meant or Steve meant about this message and what the Word of God has to say about our lives. And I'll tell you what, we've got men that are going deeper and deeper in the Word of God every week. And it's a wonderful thing. It's what I love about the fire. And, And by the way, men, anyone here, this fellowship is open to you. Everybody young or old, can come to this fellowship. And what happens is that it brings change and growth to our lives. You know, It's not a fellowship for men that don't want to change, don't bother. It's a fellowship for men who want to grow, grow deeper and go deeper with Jesus. So, here's this. When I receive the message of Christ, Jesus lights up my life. When I receive his message, he lights up my life. What does that mean? What does that mean? Here's what it means. His light, his love, his grace exposes my sin, exposes my faults, and brings it into the light. That's a good thing. Some of, you, some of you are like, that sounds horrible. You know, I don't want that to happen. No, it's a good thing because you become a better man or a better woman when you allow the light of God to flood your life and let him expose your need for change. Better relationships, better marriages, better relationship with your children or with your parents, I mean, with your friends. Everything's better when you allow the light of God to expose your life. And then opening up to other people that are struggling as well. It may be struggling with something different than you, but I can guarantee you, because I counsel people, I can tell you everybody struggles with something. Everybody has a challenge in life. Everybody has a fear or an anxiety. And what happens when we open up to one another and enjoy fellowship around this light of God in our lives is that we discover we're not alone That is a wonderful thing, to know you're not alone. To know you're sitting with another brother or sitting with another sister and opening your heart, and to know that they could open their heart too. And you would connect, maybe not around the problem or the struggle, but you would connect around the light. You would connect around Jesus. You would connect around the fact that you both have something you're dealing with. And it's a wonderful thing. This is what Alcoholics Anonymous is built upon. It's all open share, right? And this is what we believe, too, as a church. You know, when we think we can depend on our own strength, when we think we can do life on our own, we're living in darkness. That's really what that is. We're, we're, there's a bit of us that's dark, that we can somehow make it without help. This is darkness. This is, this is being alone in our walk with Christ. Not a good place to be. Let me give you an example. I remember when I said yes to becoming the senior pastor here. I know I refer to this a lot, but this was a big deal for me. I didn't want to do it, to be honest. did not want to do it. And I remember when I said yes. Yes, I'll do it. And the first thing I did was I called up my small group and I said, I've got to meet with you guys. So my wife and I, we had dinner, and we met with a small group, and they said, Kurt, what do you need from us? And I said, I need your encouragement. I need your support. I need to know you're with me. I need to know I'm not alone. I cannot do this by myself. I must have you, my brothers and sisters, with me. And they said yes. And seven years later, we're down in Palm Desert, you know, celebrating my 60th birthday. They're still with me. And others have been added uh, to that place of encouragement and support that I enjoy in my work here. Life's not all about me. I'm just sharing with you that, as a man and as a pastor, I need support. I need encouragement. Everybody does, right? And so that's how it worked out in my life. This is walking in the light. This is doing life with trusted friends. This is inviting the light to expose our need for Jesus. And in fact, if we act like everything is okay in our life, if we do that, if we take that road, and we never open up, what John says is that we're really living a lie. That's what John says, and so church is not for perfect people, or for perfect uh, for people to try to act like they're perfect. Church is for people who know they're not, and who open up and say, "Man, I'd I'd like some help to become better." Verse six: If we say we have fellowship with Him, Jesus, while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. Let's unpack that a little bit this morning. Practicing the truth. This means that every day we invite the light. Every day we say, Lord Jesus, what can you expose today? We acknowledge to God and we acknowledge to one another the areas of darkness in our life. And we say, Lord, what do you want to change in my life? Again, I I want to be very, very clear, and you're going to find this out as we go through this letter, that this letter is not about being perfect. And this letter is not about looking perfect. Now, some of us were raised in a church and it seemed like church was all about looking perfect, right? Uh, Parents made that clear to us. You better look good in church. Don't shame us in front of our church. Don't ever do anything that would cause the church to question our parenting skills. like, Like that's what it's about, right? And so it was about, and even in Linden or any small town, it was really about looking perfect. That was the most important thing not ever letting people know that we struggled. But the gospel, <laughs> the gospel is actually about admitting we're not perfect. And so if you hold to that, that determination to, to look good in the eyes of man, you're denying the power and the intent of the gospel. Because what God wants to do is to have us say, I'm not perfect, I need help, and he's, he's ready to say, let me step in and help you with that. And by the way, invite your friends to help you as well. That's what John is writing about today. So fellowship. Fellowship is kind of like playing pickleball. Anybody pickleballers out there? See, it's an old man's sport. There you are, right there. So, <laughs> not really. So fellowship is like playing pickleball. Everybody sees your fault, but you still enjoy the game. Everybody sees your faults. Everybody knows when you hit it out of bounds. But you laugh, you connect you enjoy the game, right? And hopefully you win once in a while. Now, last week we had an hour to kill on Monday just before we flew home. And so we went over to the tennis club and played a game of pickleball with Rob and Donna. Had a great time. Gwen and I had not been on the court together, ever. So it was our first time, wasn't it? On a pickleball court, together. And in pickleball, it's like, it's like standing on a ping pong table and playing a game, standing on the table. That's kind of what pickleball is like. So there's a lot of rules but the main rule is to keep the ball in bounds, right? Obviously, like tennis, like any other game, keep the ball in bounds. And when you hit it out of bounds or you fault, everybody sees it. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that the ball was out of bounds. That is, if you're honest, everybody knows. If you're dishonest, you'll go, no, it was on the line. Or no, it was just inside the line. How could you How could you call that out? You know, I mean... I guess we could be that way, but in our game with Robin and Donna, I don't think we had any question about balls that were hit out of bounds, and we laughed, and I'd go, oh, oh. You know, whenever I hit a ball out of bounds, that's what I do. And what are you doing? You're living in the light. You're sharing your faults openly and honestly in front of your friends to see. And they still love you even though you're hitting the ball out of bounds again. I mean, it was a slow game for them. We did not provide them with a great game the first couple games. It was 11-1 and 11-2. So there you go. Third game, 11-7. So we're getting better, right? My point is this. They could have gone, Oh, you guys are horrible. Let's go home. This is no fun. Can't you? You hit into the net again. Again. But no, they laughed. They enjoyed it. They realized that they're helping us become better at our game. That's what fellowship is about. It's about helping one another get better with your game. And sometimes it feels like a slow game to some of you. Really, you you failed again in that area? Really, you, you did that again? Really, you hit the ball into the net again? But really, what fellowship says is, man, I'm with you. I get it. I love you. Thank you for being honest with me. Thank you for calling it a fault. And let me help you get better at your game. That's what fellowship is really all about. So... Fellowship, enjoyment of the game. No one mocks each other. No one judges each each other for a bad shot or for a net serve. But rather, we invite the light to expose the areas of our life that need to change. We invite the light. We live our life openly and honestly before God and with one another. Not everybody, but those trusted few that also want to know you and want you to know them. We invite him to show us the areas of our life that we're still in darkness in, that we still sin, that we still don't trust him. Areas like marriage, like how we relate to our spouse, like how we relate to our kids or maybe our parents. Um, Kids in the room, maybe it's how you relate with your parents. Maybe that's tough for you this week or, or today. Maybe it's your ex-spouse. Maybe it's somebody that you're not married to anymore. How do I relate to them? How do I have a relationship given that we're sharing the kids? How do I do this? How do I do this well? You know, do you trust God? Do you invite Him to bring His light into your relationship? This is what it means to practice the truth. It means to admit I need help. It means to invite the light. And it means to get other people involved in making my game better. Finally, the last verse today. Verse seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Living in the light together. Here's what it really is It's a life of honest confession. It's having those people that you can bear your soul to, and it's being honest with God to say I have areas of my life that I know need to change and inviting His light. Now, it may take your lifetime. It may take your lifetime, but at least you're aware of that corner that used to be dark and now it is filled with His light. And the hope is that you'll see things God's way and you'll see things in a way that is going to be better for your life and you'll respond by being honest about those things and asking for help. When I invite God's light to expose the dark corners of my life, what happens is I experience fellowship. Fellowship with Him and fellowship with those people that I trust in my life. And the key to this for me is confession. Confession is the key to process what God is doing in my life. Like this God, I confess this area of sin or darkness in my life. I confess this area of struggle. I confess this area of fear or doubt or anxiety or, or not knowing about what's coming in the future or feeling hopeless or feeling helpless. I confess this to you and I invite and I invite your light to illuminate it and to help me change. And and I invite the blood of Jesus to cleanse me from any sin that was involved with this darkness. That I have a Savior who, who loves me and wants to cleanse me and wants to make me clean so that I don't have to live in shame and guilt. So the light of God, of being in His Word, exposes the dark corners of sin in my life, the things that nobody knows about that I keep hidden. God lights them up. God lights them up. He exposes them so that I can confess them, so that I can invite Jesus to forgive them, and so that I can invite others into my life to be a part of this fellowship that we share around the forgiveness and the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ, and around the fact that all of us struggle. There's no one in the room that doesn't struggle. And I open my heart, I confess my faults, I confess my struggles with a trusted friend who's also living in this same light. And the result of this honest confession is true fellowship, sweet fellowship, The sense of of knowing and being known and still being loved and still being accepted. And I would suggest to you that in everything we know about life and everything we do in life, there's nothing better than this. There's nothing better than good fellowship with trusted friends, to know and to be known and to let the blood of Christ cleanse us every day. Every day we need to. Every day He needs to cleanse us, right? And the Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful to cleanse us. And then we live open and honest lives with one another. This is the power of love. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to ask the worship team to come and lead us in one more song. As they get ready, I know that there's probably always somebody in the room or at least somebody online watching that has never invited Jesus to cleanse you of your sins. And to restore you to fellowship with the Father, and, and I said this at a memorial service this week. I said, you know what? There's no downside. There's no negative about having Jesus in your life. There's no downside to this. I wish, and, and this is what John is saying. I wish everybody can enjoy the fellowship we enjoy. And so, because I know that, I'm going to invite you, if you want to, to receive the cleansing blood of Jesus over your sin today, and let Him have access to your heart and let God's light come. At the very least, you need a Savior. At the very least, you need Jesus to bring you into eternity with Him. So if that's you today, let's bow our heads here online. If you're watching online, bow your head with me and pray with me today. Jesus, today I thank you that you made fellowship with our Creator, with God, possible for us. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life on a cross and shedding your blood so that we could have the bridge back to our Father. Your blood is the bridge. And we're grateful for that. And Jesus, thank you also for your commitment to us that it's not just about eternal life, but it's also about how we can grow and change in this life. How we can love you better and how we can love one another better. And so, Lord, I invite you to do that in my heart today. Have your way in my heart, in my life. First, your salvation, that I may know you and that I may know my Father, but but then also your ongoing cleansing and forgiveness so that I can live my best life, so that I can play my best game. Lord Jesus, I give you access today. I invite you in as my Savior. I know I will learn things as I go, but this choice I make today, I give you my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you did that today for the first time here or online with us, I would love to know about it. I would love an email or a text or a message of some kind. If you have to stop by the office to do that, that's fine. I would love to know just so I can pray for you and uh, welcome you into the family. So let's worship together. One last song this morning.